0: On this episode, we discuss the legend of the Titanic.
1: Finally, the true story of what happened to the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> I got like two more of these. So <laughs> <we> can- <laughs>
2: everyone. Welcome
0: to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy.
2: I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. And later in the show, I'm going to tell you some exciting Flophouse show news for shows that you can see, like the fact that Later today, when this episode is released, tonight we'll be doing the second episode of our Flop TV series. And we've got a live show coming up in Los Angeles, October 19th. I'll tell you more about those later in the show. But for now, back to the show. And on with the show, here comes Dan McCoy with the <laughs> show. Dan, mm-hmm. what's on the show tonight? Dan I, and I Stu, what's going on with the show? Without further ado, let the show go on, because the show must go on. There's no business like show business. Show me a rose, and I'll show you a show. So let's show it all together. Show pulling right along. Let's Please show it. show it Show full
0: off to Buffalo. Here in um,
2: Missouri, the show me state.
0: Thank you, Elliot, for that concise <laughs> wind-up. Um, hey, this is the Flophouse, a podcast where we talk about bad movies. Um, we we've been recently because of the strike and because of our unwillingness.
2: Uh, the strike as of the Writers Guild of America and saying yes, uh, after. Yes, because of those strikes, we are like not you not know the what? strikes you did in bowling last night. We all went at bowling last night, and Dan mm-hmm. was just throwing strike after strike. It was amazing. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. I'll let this
2: lie stand because
0: it put, paints me in a good light. Old mm-hmm. a perfect game. It was <laughs> incredible.
2: A perfect uh, game for Dan. Of course, each of the pins was a freeze dried <laughs> live pigeon. So it wasn't. Oh, no. so, so Dan was just destroying pigeons left and right. Very terrible. <laughs> we call that perfect we call game. that Brooklyn style bowling. <laughs> <laughs> um. So
0: to sum up, <laughs> we're on strike right now. Yeah. The Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA, and we don't want to promote uh, recent films. Um. So we've been reaching back into in time and promoting. Old films? We don't really promote films on the podcast. Let's be clear. This is us out of a uh, you know, and wanting a, a willingness to go the extra mile to not even come close to supporting anything during the strike. Yeah. So we're talking about older films. Um
2: specifically from that magical decade. The nineties right now. The nineties. Uh, hey. Spin doctors, spice girls,
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh, yeah, flannel <laughs> shirts. Uh, Mr. Peabody will uh, hustle us back into the time machine, and we'll go back maybe another decade. Uh, But right now we're in the 90s. Um, And it's also small timber. Oh,
1: special time of the month. Small-vember. I
2: I mean, time of the year, I guess.
1: But, you know, it is also a time of the month if you think about it.
2: Yeah. Uh, If the year is a month, then this is a time of the month for sure, yeah. yeah.
0: Honestly, most of the films we would cover in uh, small-vember anyway would not be AMPTP uh, signatory. Uh, True. Yeah. Productions. This but
1: one. This one wasn't a big studio <laughs> tentpole.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, not for an American studio. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know what it was like in Italy, where this was mostly produced, although it was a joint production between a lot of a different joint countries. A-
2: a- Italian-Korean co-production with some, I think, some other money yeah. from other places. But
0: we, we thought thematically we should still reach back to the 90s. We're, we said we're in the 90s right now. We're going to go with some older small movies. This one, The Legend of the Titanic, an animated film, came out a few years after a little movie called
2: Titanic.
1: The real <laughs> Titanic. Here's, the world how, here's, by how much, storm.
2: here's how much we dislike the AMPTP and don't want to drive business their way at the moment. This is a movie that was a co production with not just a Korean company, but a North Korean state owned animation company. Oh, dear Lord.
0: <laughs> Out of this the frying was, pan into the fire.
2: Oh boy, yeah. So this is uh, this was a movie that you have to imagine that uh, ki- that uh, Kim Jong Un was it was a Kim Jong Un or Kim Jong? It was Kim Jong Il at the time, right? Uh, yeah. Who was uh, who was who was the leader of North Korea? Was going to the studio every day to look at the the daily animation rushes for in uh, the in uh, the pencil tests for and these clapping characters.
0: his hands in delight. I'm sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, know, yeah, he loved it. This yeah. Magical
2: world that has been spun. Him and his buddy Dennis Rodman were just going through, giving their notes on the animation. Yeah, looking at this. Horrific dog-faced octopus, <laughs> and being like, Beautiful. <laughs> that's
1: what its face Beautiful. looked like. Yeah,
2: and now, now, guys, now this, as you mentioned, this, this is clearly jumping on the Titanic bandwagon, uh, but it's also throwing in a dash of Don Bluth, a dash of Miyazaki, a, da- a, a whole all sorts of things uh, to mm-hmm. create a sort of animated mishmash of. A, a, st- combina- a strange combo of things, you know. Yeah. Unlike combos, the candy, which are a naturally occurring, wonderful yeah. combination of elements. Yeah. Uh This is a weird combo. Yeah. I had yeah, the combos. Should I not so call combos that- a candy because they're not they're not <laughs> sweet or no, th- savory? Right. They're a snack
0: food. They're, a snack you know. food. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some sweetness and- with, like, the pizza sauce part of it. Sure. There's sweetness <laughs> in the way that, like, food scientists add sweetness to everything to get us addicted to their snack foods. Did oh, you do way. that? Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Stuart, didn't you see— I thought they were adding see- nutrition. I have some pamphlets to you. <laughs> I don't know why we're pretending. Like, Stuart only eats nuts and fruit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he's the healthiest eater among That's how he us. looks like this, guys. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Every time he comes yeah. over, it's a big—
2: Package of nuts and some fruit. Yeah, Stuart's mm-hmm. on what he calls the marmoset diet. If a marmoset doesn't eat it, he is not interested. To
0: uh, mm-hmm. Not to get too into the And occasionally details. he'll eat a marmoset. Every you know, couple of weeks of he'll fun. eat a marmoset
2: too, yeah.
0: You know, Stuart had food poisoning. We had to delay this oh, recording. Oh, boy, did I. And he brought over his lunch, which was some brown rice, it looks like. Uh-huh, <laughs> so yep. there you go. For, and a Steve thermos does.
1: filled
2: with broth. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um So The Legend of the Titanic. Oh yeah, that's where we were in the
2: So this was back when the when the Titanic when Titanic was a huge movie as opposed to now when it's been overtaken by Avatar Way of Water as mm-hmm. the James Cameron movie about water. And <laughs> they decided to get in on that Titanic business. Guys, should we talk about this movie which starts out a little misguided and eventually gets to some very strange places?
0: Oh yes, we should. Although I sorry, I just remembered what I wanted to say. It's like the, the disparate elements in this are so confusing to me. Like they even once the kind of different plot lines start intersecting and uh theoretically influencing one another they still feel completely separate to me somehow like mm, they have they like this like mouse world and and animal world and human mm-hmm. world and I don't like the film is so bad about integrating them that even when the plot integrates them, like, my brain still wants to keep them apart. Yeah, it kind (laughs) of
1: hurts your head. You get a headache. Although, guys, I know you're saying that this kind of riding on the coattails of James Cameron's Titanic, but what about what if James Cameron's Titanic? Wouldn't it have been improved if Billy Zane's character had access to a gang of tough talking shark?
2: <laughs> yeah. It certainly would have. And it a almost naive certainly octopus. would have. <laughs> that, the moment when that shark when that shark shows up is really, I think, when the movie enters a new level. Yeah. Fucking awesome. So, I,
0: maybe in the course of explaining this movie to us, which you're about to start, you will explain yep. to me why why part of the villain's scheme
2: was to sink the ship he also was on, but. We'll we'll get to it. I guess we'll get to we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, and and also no, I won't be able to explain it. So, but we'll get okay. to that. So the movie begins as all great movies do with an instrumental version of New York, New York playing over a cityscape that mm-hmm. doesn't really resemble New York. No, not at, all. at all. It does. One building does have a prominent Braniff Airlines uh, logo on it, and I was like, is that is that now, the famous Braniff building?
1: I get it when you like when you shoot a movie in <laughs> Toronto, for instance, and you're like, yeah, we're in New York, whatever. Uh, but when it's animated, can't you just
2: draw it from a <laughs> You'd picture? You'd think you would just be able to draw that city, yeah. Just yeah. draw it
1: from a picture. It's pretty yeah. easy. Just like Google New York Skyline and draw well, this that is shit. 1999.
2: It was a little bit harder to get pictures of New York back then. The internet wasn't okay. what it is Okay, slightly now, so. harder, yeah. Yeah. So you have, I have to assuming, get on
1: like microfiche or some shit.
2: <laughs> I mean, and it's also possible these scenes were drawn in North Korea where information about the outside world is very, very heavily oh, controlled. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So maybe they could not get a picture of New York. Uh, so we zoom into an apartment where a where some mouse children are asking their grandpa about what it was so like being a wait, sailor wait, 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 wait. on the Titanic. <laughs> Let's unpack so, that sentence.
1: Okay, so wait, they're in like a regular-sized apartment? Are yes, they, like, they are
2: not. It does not show them zooming into like a mouse hole. They're in a so regular-sized apartment.
1: So we assume it's like a duck world, like they're- <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, so they're like human-sized mice.
2: At this point, we assume they're human-sized mice in a human-sized city, <laughs> or perhaps maybe it's a mouse city that- but that Braniff Airlines also has has it still exists. Maybe uh-huh. yeah. Braniff is still in business. Maybe it only does mouse work now. I, but. I, I want to unpack the other
0: part where you talk about how he was a sailor on the Titanic. Now, I this is another thing that wasn't really clear to me. This the Titanic obviously had its, you know, human, human-sized sailors who yes. who staffed the ship and, and made there's it run.
2: ample historical evidence to support the idea <laughs> that there were humans working on the Titanic, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: but this movie posits, it seems, that there's also like a separate mouse crew <laughs> because yes. there's like a mouse captain. And I'm wondering what these animals are doing to uh, to, to pilot the ship, if anything.
2: Well, so he's- Calling him a sailor is misguided, or misdirected, because they, they these and these mice are operating more like coyotes—the people who uh, help smuggle yeah. uh, immigrants mm. across borders. Because they are, they're just there to take care of the mice and help them to sneak onto the ship, and right. And so he, they don't have any technical. Although later on, but, they do get heavily involved in the technical apparatus of the true, ship. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure.
0: But the captain is less than sort of a captain and more of like a cruise director. For yes, these
2: exactly. I mean, maybe mice. he stands there with a soda pop. Uh, cap, (laughs) pretending it's a steering wheel, like, oh, yeah, well, we're we're almost in New York. Right, okay. So uh, one of the kids finds a whistle, and he says, you were on the Titanic, it sank, and the grandpa says something very funny that is never really borne out by the movie. He goes, oh, it was all a misunderstanding, (laughs) which doesn't really make any sense. And one of the kids finds a whistle, and he goes, oh, that was used to call the terrible Mr. Ice. Now, never having seen this movie before, I immediately assumed, (laughs) oh, there's going to be like a giant Talking iceberg that is yeah. summoned, or like some kind yep, of ice that elemental who creates that the been iceberg. Ridiculous. That would be yes. ridiculous. As we'll later find out, Mr. Ice is terrible, but is it actually a sea creature that is that has nothing to do with well, we'll see. I don't know and, why he's called and ice. From what I can tell, a felon. Yes. Uh, yeah, consider he is both <laughs> that he has his body literally has prison stripes on it and he wears a cap. But anyway, so grandpa flashes back to England 1912, which makes me wonder. Maybe – you know what? So that story must be being told in like the 1970s, maybe the 1980s. So maybe Braniff is still around. Okay, England – at this point, I'll stop talking about Braniff Airlines, a (laughs) defunct airline, which is just weird to me that that's the logo that is on the – branded on a building. So England, 1912, and passengers are boarding the Titanic. And I'm just going to go through who some of these passengers are. I'm not Mm going to go moment by moment entirely. Okay, okay. There's the wealthy Duke of Cameron, whose voice is kind of like a cut-rate Donald Sutherland. Like if you asked one of us to do like a Donald Sutherland impression, that's the Duke of Cameron. His beautiful daughter Elizabeth, her evil stepmom Rachel, her and Elizabeth's evil fiance Everard Maltravers. Now, guys, <laughs> is this a name? Is this a real name? <laughs> Everard, Everard Maltravers. Everard Maltravers, and uh, uh,
0: we also meet Maltravers, which, which is of course French for bad travers.
2: Yes, exactly. And he has a he has a. Uh, uh, much like uh, Draco Malfoy and Malvolio, if you want people to know that it's a bad guy, put Mal in front of the name. That's why we know Mallory was the was the villain on what show was that? Family Ties. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> that's right. And, and so, uh, and Mal Travers has an eye patch, and he also has a a bumbling hench butler named Jeffrey. That's why you Jeffrey's know that uh,
1: Malcolm in the middle is the bad guy in the middle. Yes, exactly.
2: That's why they keep him in the middle because he's in prison, <laughs> so they can't yeah, get he's out. In prison
1: between a Dewey
2: and a. What's the other guy? The older so, one, yeah, the older the, son. His name? Oh my Danny God, Kira Captain fan, Mal yeah. and
0: Firefly was the bad guy all along, yeah, uh-huh. right? Yep,
2: yeah, yeah. Yep, and Ian Ooh. Malcolm from the Jurassic Park movies—he's the one. He's the one who let the dinosaurs loose in the behind-the-scenes. I mean, is a bad boy. He is a bad boy. Where's <laughs> 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 yeah. the leather jacket? He's a uh, sexy
0: uh, mathematician.
2: And uh, Mal Travers has a bumbling hedge butler named Jeffries, who's basically just guest on sidekick from Beauty and the Beast. Like it's—it's mm-hmm. it's such a total ripoff. Uh, Elizabeth does not want to marry Mel Travers, but Rachel. Can I point out pers- that
1: El- Elizabeth has like a pretty cool mullet haircut? Like yeah, it's sure. pretty,
2: pretty current. Like I-, I could see some kids in Bushwick wearing this hair. And surprisingly low-cut dresses through much of the movie, considering this is a kids' movie set in 1912. Dan was pleasantly surprised. He said, <laughs> <laughs> "I can't remember. Like I have to make it.
0: Uh, I have to make an admission here, which is that uh, you know, be- as we said, Stuart had." Uh, uh some food poisoning so we pushed we call
2: the, them, we call them the troubles.
0: We pushed the recording back. Oh, is
2: that what the is that what Ireland was going through when they had the troubles was just bad food poisoning nationwide? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is like Bad you know, Airline food, probably from Braniff <laughs> Airlines.
0: Three days on from when we were supposed to record, I watched the movie the day before. Even as I was watching, it, my brain was having a really hard time just in taking this movie. This maybe
1: movie. maybe you had food poisoning uh,
2: too. <laughs> yeah. No, so, no, I'll admit, as someone who was very healthy and ate good food, I also had trouble. I frequently <laughs> had to rewind and rewatch scenes because it was like I've said this before in other movies, so it's like the movie, my brain was so it was so frictionless. The movie would yes. would just slide right off of my brain and I would have to shove it in to make sure it, it <laughs> actually made a memory, you know.
0: Right. So I mean at this point. <laughs> You could tell me anything happened in this movie, and I would well, believe you,
2: Dan. I'll tell you right now, anything does happen because also boarding the ship are many immigrant mice from different countries, uh, including sailor Tom Connors, who will someday be Grandpa Mouse. Uh, that's Tom Connors, the mouse not stomping Tom Connors, the pride of Prince Edward Island, <laughs> uh, cre- uh, creator of the hockey song, the catch-up song, and, and many other great songs from Prince Edward Island, and two the Brazilian song,
3: <laughs> yeah. What?
2: What Let's is the stomp- song? Just look up "Stomp and Tom Connors," the pride of Prince Edward. There's, uh, okay. Look, Prince Edward Island is proud of two things: okay. Anne of Green Gables and Stomp and mm-hmm. Tom Connors, a country mm-hmm. singer who would stomp on a wooden board while he while he sang. And when I went to visit <laughs> our friend Eric, who has now been mentioned in a number of Flapass episodes, when he lived in Prince Edward Island, there were not one but two different Anne of Green Gables musicals going on at the same time, and one Stomp and Tom Connors biographical stage show. Where someone played <laughs> him and, play, and performed his music. So well,
0: you gotta combine them. Have a stomping Tom Connors and of Green Gables musical. Uh, I just like the idea that like stomping was his thing, like an earlier era of entertainment. Like to live in that era of entertainment where like you can just have a thing and the thing can just be you stomp on some wood.
2: But he would <laughs> sing and they would bring out the wood and people would cheer when they brought out the wooden yeah. plank and he'd stomp uh-huh. on it really hard. Okay, so <sighs> These are these two Brazilian mice are also coming on Stella, who Tom immediately falls in love with. She is barely a character; she just shows up every now and then. And her soccer obsessed brother Ronnie, who is again Brazilian, mm-hmm. a Brazilian named Ronnie, and uh-huh. they do not have accent <laughs> Brazilian accent. And, uh, he, and he also uh, he also repeatedly refers to soccer as soccer. Yes, he never calls it football or football. Uh, He has been in England to learn how to play soccer, as he calls it. And he he becomes Tom's sidekick very quickly and shows off some soccer tricks. Now, before they fully board the ship, Elizabeth's eye is caught by some Spaniards who are dancing on the dock, including the black-cloaked Don Juan prince of Andalusia, who also has a dog named Smiley. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. all the rich people hate Smiley, but Elizabeth immediately takes a liking to him. And in one of the creepier moments, Smiley— takes Elizabeth's glove brings it to Juan Don Juan who immediately smells it and goes ah very weird <laughs> which guys
1: guys
0: I've been there
2: I mean it's she literally doesn't... the name of a spinal tap album is smell the glove right like <laughs> well, it's a yeah. weird thing to do in a kid's movie
0: yeah I mean that's that's weird but also like her just acceptance of well well I guess that's the dog's glove now <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Possession <of laughs> nine times like the a law guy when who's never dog. had a dog bite a glove off his <laughs> <He didn't laughs> yeah Dan are you really
2: chasing after that dog to get that glove I guess, I mean. It's not worth I, it, it's just a glove. You're that wealthy,
0: you just, get you, you know, open up your pack of gloves.
2: <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, the uh, the steward on the ship tells w- Juan's buddies, you can't take that dog on here. So they bully him and then Smiley on camera pees on the steward's leg and we oh, see yeah, the pee. Oh yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, yeah we, do, yeah, we do
1: see the pee. It's like a
2: pool. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Titanic sets off. We learn that Maltravers is a whaling magnate who has a sh- fleet of whaling ships, and he wants the Duke to sign over his valuable whaling territory, which the Duke has not been whaling in, but Maltravers wants to. And as he says to Jeffries, nothing in the world counts but money and power. Uh, and then we get the first of many hideously ugly swooping flybys of the CGI Titanic in this otherwise hand-drawn animated film. Uh, guys, how did you feel about Maltravers' whaling plan or about these CGI, uh, ships in an otherwise pen and ink film?
1: I do like when he like refers to his, uh, his, his little buddy as a, like a sniveling factotum and shit <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, has he been working on all these fucking burns? What's going on? Yeah. He has a thesaurus that he's
0: consulting all it's the time. He's like I bad imagine.
1: guy thesaurus. Yeah. Yeah. The,
0: uh, well, the CGI. Yeah. I do want to mention this. The, the rest of the movie is, you know, not good animation at all, but it, you know, like the design at least is like acceptable sort of mid-budget knockoff animation. Yeah, uh-huh. sub
2: Don Bluth, sub Disney, you know. Yeah,
0: but, it, you know, but the but the sort of stuff that still used to get into the theaters once in a while. Uh, but then when you switch to CGI, you see like this, you know, Very of the time, bad CGI boat, like, running through water that looks like it's kind of like someone just took, like, the Mac paint, you know, the spray paint or airbrush thing and just, like, sprayed a bunch of gray all over. So it looks like they're going through kind of, like, smoke or
2: dirt instead of water. Yeah. I mean, and the the boat gives the impression of being made out of cardboard when they do these. Uh, So it's – I don't think they're getting the majesty that they were hoping for uh, or that James Cameron achieves in his – his own Titanic movie, which is called, of course, as we remember, The Abyss. Now, (laughs) the humans, they have a gala banquet. Uh, Ronnie and Tom, the two mice, they ogle the food. And Elizabeth makes a big scene about not wanting to marry Maltravers. And Ronnie goes, oh, she's beautiful. I've got a crush on her. And Tom goes, but she's a human. And he goes, I'm not a racist. I could have a crush on her. And it's a a proud, anti-speciesist, anti-racist message from the movie (laughs) where a mouse can lust after a human being.
1: And that's the thing, guys. That's the most I've uh, identified with a mouse in a movie before is because, like, guys— I, I get it. I, I can be, if even though I'm a mouse, I can appreciate a baddie when I see one, you know? <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Now, hold on. <laughs> so this, I mean, like. Dan, are I you going to kink shame this mouse? I normally don't agree with this sort of slippery slope logic of like, well, that leads to lusting after animals. But this is literally what's happening here where it's just like instead of, instead of. Saying what it is, which is these are two different species
2: of creature. a, ver- a varying, a, a vastly different sizes They're as well. framing it There's like. There's a huge power differential.
0: Yeah, they're framing it like it's racism. As if, you know, someone's like going to be like find someone who like fucks their dog. And like, mm-hmm. whoa, w- what a racist.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. I'm supposed to be intolerant towards dogs now and not find them attractive. <laughs> are you guys
1: saying that if you guys got morphed into a cartoon mouse, you wouldn't find your wife attractive anymore? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I have two answers Stuart, to that. Stuart, Dan, you answer first, and then I have two answers well, to that. Well,
0: Stuart, you're reminding me of the time I, I sort of like – I legitimately kind of teared up thinking about how if I was mouse-sized, my cats would just eat me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Dan? That's much better than what I was going to say. It doesn't answer his question at all, but it's, it's much better than what I was going to say. Now, now, I will mention also the, the mice in the movie are mouse-sized, which – Again, raises some questions when we see them in New York living in an apartment where they have regular sized furniture. But I mean, that's uh, New York. That's New York apartments these days. <laughs> yes. Now, this—that's true. This movie is about to take a huge left turn because we cut immediately what seems to be the middle of a song. Well, Elizabeth is wandering the deck alone crying. Some dolphins leap up into the air up to her eye level, which is a huge leap for a dolphin. That's like a 1,000 feet in the air. They leap up and they start talking to her and they explain that she can now hear animals because her tears landed in a net of magic moonbeams and then they added some dolphin Uh magic to it. So now she can understand all animals. And this is a huge swing for this movie to
0: take. (laughs) I I love that they say, and we added some dolphin magic. Like, as long as you're doing this bullshit, just say that the tears landed in a magic moonbeam and be done with it. you say the dolphins like, have cast a
2: spell? Either way, pick a lame movie. <laughs> well, but like, they're like, oh,
0: we saw that you were halfway to a magic spell, and so we added a little bit of our own <laughs> magic so we could talk to you. They don't yeah. want
1: kids at home dropping their fucking tears in magic moonbeam oh, okay? hoping that it's gonna work. They had to clarify that they also have to have dolphins. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Be you don't want by the kids. You want
0: kids to know that if they can't talk to dolphins, it's because the dolphins rejected them yes. as not yes. being oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a. Good, that's what you, kids need to learn. This stuff. Uh, and the dolphins explain that they have been battling Mal whaling fleet, which is about uh-huh. to go hunting in forbidden waters, or has been hunting in forbidden waters. And I want to remind everybody: this is a movie about the Titanic, a real ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've now introduced dolphins that can talk because of magic and are fighting a secret battle against whaling. Now yeah. the whaling not is going to very- get
1: weird. It's not going to get any weirder, though. <laughs>
2: Oh, I, I cannot promise you that it's not going to get weirder. In fact, I can promise you it will get weirder. So, uh, Mal Travers, he asked the Duke for the rights to his whaling concession, and the Duke is very noncommittal. The Duke is like, hmm, well, hmm. And uh, Mal Travers, he just tells Jeffreys to send out— Because on, he's
1: on—guys, because he's on fucking vacation,
2: right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to talk about work right now. He's yeah. on that cruise I'm life, you know? to Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and uh, Mal Travers tells Jeffries give the go-ahead to my whaling fleet anyway. Tell them to go hunting. Jeffrey, and also, go talk to Ice. Jeffrey's then, in another real swerve for the movie, Jeffrey's goes to the bow of the ship, blows on a whistle, which calls up a shark named Ice who wears a prison cap and has prison stripes on his body and speaks in a New York accent to tell Ice, be ready. The boss is going to call the plan into effect. So what what this tells us is, (laughs) Elizabeth... There was a lot of magic that had to happen for Elizabeth to talk to these dolphins. But Maltravers and Jeffries have already been in contact with and have been (laughs) plotting with a band of sharks who can speak English with a heavy New York accent. Even at this point, even at this point, they are closer to English British waters still. I also
0: like the 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 idea that at some point they're like, okay, what's the easiest way to sabotage this ship? We got to get in touch with some sharks. (laughs) We got to get. Some sharks on our side who can maybe—spoiler alert—talk to a, an octopus whose size changes dramatically from
2: season to We'll get to, to scene. that octopus. We'll get to that amazing size-changing octopus. <laughs> but rather than with the like, mind of a child.
0: At no point, someone's in like, the face of hey, a boss. What puppy. about a
2: bob? Yeah. <laughs> what about <laughs> an old It's 1912, Dan. I don't know if they had those. In 1912, they only had do- they only had shark calling flute technology. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And so here's and it's so like it was such a disappointment to me. I want to know if it was to you when I found out that, that ice was not Mr. Ice was not like a an elemental wind spirit who's going to crash the ship but just a mean shark just a criminal shark.
0: Yeah, no I did anticipate some sort of anthropomorphic iceberg that had a grudge against the Titanic or yeah. something. Yeah, uh,
1: I'm going to say I like the fact that this as soon as this shark showed up I couldn't be mad at it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this this uh this shark I mean I also I didn't like that all sharks are bad guys in this just like in okay. all fish movies uh but I mean, except finding Nemo. Yes, the sharks are reluctant, are reluctant bad guys sometimes. Mm-hmm, yeah. But, uh, uh what about
0: Jabberjaw, dude? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, true. all you're, he you're wants right. to do is rock us.
2: <laughs> I won't. I won't point out that I said movies very clearly, and that Jabberjaw <laughs> has yet to have a feature film on his own. But no, good point. You're right. You see, you dress the spirit of my note rather than the letter of my note. Which is fine. I'm not going to play rabbi here and say, oh, technically the the good book
0: says movies. (laughs) Thank you for your restraint, Elliot, for not doing any of those things. No, I will
2: not do those things. I will refrain from it. So, uh, getting back to the story, Ronnie and Tom, the mice, they can also talk to Elizabeth now because, again, magic moonbeams. And they tell her <laughs> not to run for her problems, but to face them head on. And she resolves to fight. She will fight for her freedom. Meanwhile, yeah. Juan can think of nothing but Elizabeth. And after the mice spy on Rachel, Elizabeth's stepmother, plotting and scheming with Maltravers, and it's kind of implied that they're having an affair, yeah. Elizabeth goes to her father. I the mean, Duke, he's, got a, he's got an eye patch. He does have an yeah. eye patch. He's sexy. He's like the, the, the uh, what, is that the... The Hathaway shirt man who had the eye patch, or was it a different shirt company?
1: Uh, I don't know, but I'm going to have to look that up. Look I'm it up. I'm Hathaway
2: asking about, about mid century sh- uh, shirt ads that would be in print <laughs> magazines. So I expect you to know these things. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the. Uh, Elizabeth goes <laughs> to her father, the Duke. She says, I'll never marry Maltravers. And in, in a shockingly anticlimactic moment, the Duke says, That's fine. I just want you to be happy. And it's clear he never really liked Maltravers that much anyway. Yeah. That is then followed up a little bit later <laughs> I by do. I
0: never really liked that man you were dating with the eye patch and the negative
2: name. <laughs> yeah who's clearly a villain and was mean to his bumbling servant. So, uh, and then some other stuff happens, but the important thing is that Ronnie the soccer mouse kicks a tiny soccer ball into Maltravers, causing him to fall onto a catering cart that then dumps him into a laundry vat, which, which is the kind of come I mean, up in That's very powerful. That is a potent kick from a it's mouse. It's a potent kick, and also the kind of thing that usually happens at the ends of these movies. I'm yeah. like, shouldn't the movie be over by now? No, because we're on the Titanic, I'll remind you. A real ship that actually sunk. So I mean 100% Mal Travers
1: looks like the villain in a movie with a like a soccer playing dog, right? <laughs> yes. But
2: well, in, this in this case, case a soccer. bunch of mice and a dancing dog. Yes, because we'll see. Now the, the movie is not over because they've got to get Elizabeth and Juan to fall in love. Smiley, the mice, and all the other animals on board. There's a surprising number of pets on board the Titanic. Mm-hmm. They arrange for Juan and Elizabeth. And we do not see most of them in the lifeboats at the end of the movie, I have to say. Uh, they arrange for Elizabeth to bump into Juan on deck. And this Tom is a challenge says, at
1: this point because – At this point, Juan can still not understand the animals.
2: Yes, they have. And also these two people have to fall in love. They have never met. Juan has only smelled Elizabeth's glove. He cannot understand the animals. But Tom says, Dan, wait, Tom says, they'll know if it's true love because their souls will unite and Juan will suddenly gain the ability to talk to animals too. A great Mm -hmm. narrative shortcut that is explained to us by a mouse in a moment and does not at all feel like they're just making up the rules as they go along. There's a lot of thought-out world-building going on in The Legend of the Titanic. Dan, what were you going to say?
0: I'm just wondering why all these animals are so invested in the romantic lives of these two humans. Like, do they not have their own emotional wants and needs? They they do,
2: because because you'll remember there is a mouse wedding at the end of the movie. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) In this movie about the real tragedy of the Titanic. (laughs) So... Uh, they bump into each other. A mouse orchestra plays a love serenade. The humans dance and kiss. The animals cheer, and then the mouse orchestra immediately plays some swing jazz that everyone dances to for a very long time. <laughs> this awesome, is a yeah. very long sequence of them just dancing. I took a sequence. I took a like, animated
0: a video of the, part of the sequence and made a gif at it because I was so charmed, but oh, not charmed, but like charmed by how like bad it looked of all these it, like it looks people, terrible. these animals and people dancing together. And and I posted it on the our Flophouse Instagram story, and someone messaged me pointing out that one of the mouse's beard appears and disappears as he dances.
1: <laughs> I like I like when you were telling that story, Dan. You kind of like reverse reality show judged it. You're like, I was charmed by how bad it was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was well done. That was well done. Uh, the so I, I, this was the part. This is how my brain works. Is I started I started thinking. Wait a minute. This move—I don't know if this music is the kind of jazz they would have been listening to in 1912. <laughs> this feels like 40s jazz, and I had to stop myself yeah, and be like, it on the you know what? Page. J- this is a movie about yeah, the Titanic X-Tree, X-Tree. that involves talking mice, <laughs> and I didn't even know yet at the time that it involves a a talking childlike octopus. So I—I—but yeah. I, I, I then shut that thinking down. I was like, why am I caring? This is a an animated movie about the Titanic. So, and the 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 the. the the zaniest things have yet to happen yet. So this possibly anachronist in mu- music. Let's not worry about it. The Duke gives Elizabeth permission to marry Juan. All he wants is for star to be happy. But Rachel and Maltraver. We don't Travers, know that he's like the Duke of Andalusia, right? I don't think she even knows yet that he's a prince. She's just danced with him Her once prince, and they kissed. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Rachel and Maltraver. And it's also one of those things where it's clearly supposed to be she's the rich one and he's like with the, with the the people in steerage, but they say he's a prince. But he's got prince. this like, I, I don't know if like really dark
1: one. shadows outfit on. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it turned out he was a vampire at any point. Uh, mm-hmm. The Duke gives Elizabeth permission to marry, but Rachel and Maltravers are still plotting. And the mice tell Juan that they overheard Maltravers saying he's planning to sink the ship. But I'm not actually sure if the audience heard him say that. Did I just miss him saying that? It seems like the mice were making that up to make Maltravers look bad. <laughs> and he That's is possible. planning to do it, but it's it's very, it's like, I don't remember actually hearing him say that.
1: That's a really good question, uh, Dan. Do you remember this very specific part of the dialogue yeah, Dan,
2: from the movie? You have a no, mind like a steel trap.
0: For I this don't stuff. remember. I'm still puzzling over. I don't understand what his plot is. <laughs> like why it involves sinking the ship. What
2: somehow he has to sink the ship in order to. Well, so here's his plot. I think he has to. Kill the Duke. Yes, well, uh-huh. we'll get to it because he will he has the Duke sign some paperwork. We'll get to it. So the mice then stop the telegraph operator from sending Maltravers's whaling ship orders. How do they do it? By trewing, sh- chewing through all the ship's telegraph wires. This is going to be a bad thing, it turns out, later on. Mice, I mean, if it you won't, a won't message, be a
1: problem unless they need to send an emergency message from the ship, and that, that'd
2: that be wild. That's yeah, this ship is unsinkable. That's I never going to happen. It's an unsinkable ship. It's the Titanic. Although the mouse captain earlier did say that the mice inspection board did not go out of their way to inspect the Titanic. They didn't manage to do that oh, yet. Oh, wow. No. Way to keep them in the
1: fucking clear.
2: Cool. Yeah. That, yeah, so that you can't blame the mice. They didn't, the mouse inspection board, they didn't okay this ship. They're not liable. Yeah. They're not liable. Yeah, let Don't me check them. to see they who watched uh, produced that.
0: this
1: movie. The mouse inspection board? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, the ultimate
0: authority. On <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like United Passions. <laughs> the soccer movie.
2: Ah, the movie about how great FIFA is and how Seth yeah. Blatter's a hero. Yeah. So uh, this is when uh, Jeffries contacts Ice the shark, tells him to sink the ship at midnight, so these sharks also can tell time. And mm-hmm. Ice and his thugs, they set up this they set this up. There's only one way to sink this ship. It's the only logical way to do it. They're it's, gonna have it's to. It's easy trick, peasy. <laughs> they're gonna have to trick an enormous, childlike octopus named Tentacles, who has the face of a puppy dog. That and the Tentacles is a good friend with an orca named Orky. They're gonna have to trick octopus the octopus into an iceberg throwing contest so that. They will get Nice icebreak into the path of the ship again. This movie is based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> people died,
0: like lots of people died. One thing I yeah, love
2: about Octopi is that cart—they're like
1: people who who make cartoons. They love to put fucking Octopi in their shit. Yeah, yeah. And, Octopi but are great. They, they're but amazing they're also, animals. They're amazing animals. They're great, but they also have like the least friendly face possible. Yes. <laughs> so they're like, okay, this is the one animal we have to completely fuck the face around because there is no normal. way to make
2: a cute <laughs> octopus who has a hard. Beak in the middle of his tentacles, where a human would assume a butt would be. It's very—it's a weird design for an octopus, and so they always have to put the face on its bulbous head and not where it actually goes, which is in the middle of the tentacles. I will. I I agree with all of what you're saying. Dan, for- where's your butt? Is it between your legs? <laughs> yes. Where's your mouth? Is Nowhere it near your legs. Between my legs? I don't yeah, know. If dude. My
0: butt is between my legs. It's between okay, the I would, muscles of the back. I of would legs. Call it sort going to going to take a bunch of pictures of Ian's like, body where my legs meets meet the shore. Well, what's closer? <laughs> what's
2: closer to the center of your of the area between your legs, your butt or your mouth? <laughs> What? I, this is not what I answer to the talk question, about. Dan. Why are you afraid to answer the question? What do you hide? He is
1: being weirdly evasive. Actually,
2: yes. <laughs> I don't. I'm just asking you a simple question about the location of your butt in your mouth, and for some reason, you refuse to answer. <laughs> Ladies You're and gentlemen right. of the jury, in the case uh, okay, of okay, Grace anatomy versus it Dan is. McCoy,
1: Dan, do you have like a measuring tape around here? I think that'll. We can just clear this up. It's super simple. It's in the
0: middle of my. Body, like if you're like if you're talking about the top of the head to the bottom of your feet, I wouldn't say it's between my legs. That Wait, was but like, which uh, is closer, your, your
2: mouth or your butt, <laughs> to your legs? Well, which is closer butt. to your legs? Hey, still use the answer. Still cannot answer. <laughs> I don't understand
0: the I point. I didn't think you're this making. was going to be the question
2: that tripped you up and that, and that I don't that, get that, it, I'm just trying to understand the underlying point. Answer the question, sir. <laughs> answer the question. Your Honor, the witness is being incalcitrant. You you're, refuse to answer a question. You're
0: pulling, you're pulling a Rand Paul on me. You're like
2: asking a ridiculous question and then being like, see, he doesn't want to an answer. I don't know what's ridiculous about the location in your body of different orifices. You're the one who's um. trying to cloud the issue and make it seem as if your butt and your mouth might be <laughs> the same distance
0: from your legs. Could I just say the thing that I wanted to say, though? Yeah, 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 yes. Why not? If you Which remember is, what it was, then please do. I find— Avoid the question. I agree with what you're saying, except for I find actual octopuses or octopi, depending on how you say it, cute, whereas whenever you try and anthropomorphize and an octopus—it's—it's it's horrifying. <laughs> I
2: look. Like, we can agree, even if we can't agree on the on the look, did the variable distances between your legs and your orifices. <laughs> yeah, we Thank you. can agree that octopuses are great. They're beautiful animals. They're really cool. But yeah. I no, but I think there is. I think they're cute until you look at that beak. The beak th- is feels weird because octopuses. Mm. You think soft. You think mushy? That beak is hard and dangerous, and all you can think about is it biting your fingers off when you go into pet an octopus. So I understand why a cartoon octopus would have a cute face. Why it would have a puppy dog nose on its on its head, <laughs> I don't understand. Really I don't know why they made that choice. Alarming
0: part about this yes. design. Yes, and then
2: why they also gave it one of these kid personalities that movies give to kids, where it borderline it's borderline mentally damaged. How yeah. innocent this.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, is. I think it's like to play on like a like a a mice and men type. Lenny type thing, right? Uh,
2: I don't. I don't know, think possibly because well,
1: they're like trying to take advantage of like uh, a simple character who's very strong. I yeah. guess it's more
2: the way that in the movie Jack with Robin Williams, Robin Williams is playing a child, and there are other children who are supposed to be the same age as him, and the other children are, are, have personalities and can be you know lies sometimes and what. But Jack is just a, nature's innocent. He can never do wrong, and he's just yeah. a, he's, just he's, a moral a, he's an angel. And- he's an angel. Yeah, uh, just yeah, called I, angel of the morning. I just.
0: I want to say to listeners though,
2: is that what that song's about? Is it about yeah, the that movie yeah? That song Jack? is about the movie Jack. It was a tie-in of okay. the movie Jack. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Spoiler alert: I'm not going to recommend that people watch all of this movie, but uh, you should Google what tentacles and the legend of the Titanic looks like because uh, uh, he'll haunt you. <laughs> yeah, he will.
2: He will, and he haunts the movie. Yeah. Uh, so, like a uh, like a. Uh, like like the specter of communism haunting Europe. Tentacles <laughs> haunts this film. So mm-hmm. the Duke tells Maltravers the engagement is off. That's when Jeffries, Maltravers, and Rachel, the Duke's wife, threaten the Duke at gunpoint. They demand he sign a paper giving Maltravers the ownership of the whaling territory and also a new will giving everything to Rachel. They then tie him up and escape the ship in a lifeboat. This is why they're sinking the ship. They have to fake the Duke's death so that they can mm-hmm. inherit everything. And fake and, and oh, not fake the Duke's death. They have to kill the Duke and fa- I mean, I The weirdest the part is when
1: when they're when they're tying him up and his wife uh his wife reveals that she is betraying him, he's like Oh, jokes on you. I'm into this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Does that happen? I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was part. really it was, it was a
1: quiet moment. He's was like, "Oh, <laughs> you, if only yeah. you
2: knew I'm a major cuck, you would he <laughs> wouldn't do this because you'd know that I'm in, I'm really aroused right now."
0: I it's, know that they're that they're villains, but this is a really insidious plan to cover up one murder by sinking yes, an entire by, ship. By sinking
2: an entire ship and killing 1500 people. Yes. It's yeah. it's it's overkill. Let's call it that. It's overkill. And I don't yeah. mean overkill the band. I mean overkill the action. So mm-hmm. Tentacles is horrified to learn that he has helped the sharks potentially hurt the humans. And the sharks, so their plan is they're going to they, – he's already thrown a giant iceberg into the path of the ship. The sharks will hold the Titanic's rudder so it can't avoid hitting the iceberg. Uh, mm-hmm. th- th- this, again, everyone, every human on the, ice, on the ship, their hands are clean except for Mel Travers. It's not human error at all. It is – shark error. There is chaos as people fall over trying to get into the lifeboats. People cannot walk steady on the ship. And Juan and Elizabeth search for the duke to save him as the captain announces he plans to go down with the ship. He will he he has to. The mouse captain who does not plan to go down with the ship he says <laughs> their only hope is to send out an SOS signal. Oh no, guys. Are they going to be able to telegraph out an SOS? The wires, what happened to the wires? Do you remember? Remind me, uh, what did the mice do with the wires? The, the, the mice two.
1: chewed through them, right? Yeah. They
2: chewed through the wires. So there's and no what, way that they could ever connect them. There's just you not enough wire. <laughs> can, I appreciate
0: this little taste of sort of like a I mean, unless library, something, wait. Uh, you know, reading to children hours. Yeah, well,
2: I just want to show wait. you what a well-structured movie this is, is that they can't just, there's consequences for that. They planted in order earlier.
0: To, the, in order to
1: connect the wires, there's like, a gap. They're not going to be There's able to fill that. wires. There's a gap between what's, the wires. What's oh, no. an item. They can't I think the only the wires thing that could connect them. those would be if,
2: if only, if only there, was, there was some kind of strings or something that they could use maybe, to connect these wires. Maybe
1: a character with a long mustache. Maybe there's a... They have introduced a character with a long mustache, maybe, No, uh, no,
2: Nope, they did. Thankfully, earlier they did a, They did introduce the French mouse, Camembert, who has a long mustache, and Camembert demands that they attach the wires to his mustache. <laughs> Luckily, his mustache is just long enough to close the gap between the wires. <laughs> Luckily, the message goes his out His mustache and, is made of wire and conducts th- th- electricity. Yeah, thankfully, the hairs that grow out of his face are incredibly good at conducting <laughs> electrical signals and impulses uh, tragically though he appears to die in the process camembert has given his life (laughs) to save everyone on the titanic he has sadly passed on screen Yeah, one of the
0: characters takes their little sailor hat off and goes
2: oh camembert yeah camembert tom does because he's the only sailor on the on the damn ship there's only the staff is just the captain tom and camembert who i think was like the cook or something (laughs) anyway yeah the mouse captain he goes get into the lifeboats, but don't let the women see you because, quote, they'll just raise a ruckus and get in the way. This movie was made in 1999. <laughs> it was set in 1912, but the fact that the mouse captain has to go out of his way to talk about how the women are useless when they see a mouse is Well, bonkers. just because the
1: character says something doesn't necessarily mean that's like the viewpoint of the filmmaker. That's
2: true. I shouldn't blame The Legend of the Titanic for what the misogynist mouse captain says. <laughs>
0: for, for this mouse captain's view on female hysteria.
2: The, yes. the mouse captain is like, like they're not funny, by the way, either. Women can't be funny. It's impossible. It's like, Mouse Captain, why are you saying these things? Anyway, Elizabeth and Juan, they find the Duke. They untie him. They get him into a lifeboat. For some reason, they don't join him in the lifeboat. They stay <laughs> no. on the bow of the ship as it continues to sink. And I couldn't understand why they didn't say get in the lifeboat. But anyway, that's up to them. Uh, tentacles, who it turns out is way bigger than it at first seemed. He manages to hold the <sighs> ship together with his tentacles long enough. For everyone to get into lifeboats except for our two heroes, Elizabeth and Juan, and the animals mm-hmm. that are with us. This is all this, documented, right? This is documented. Yeah, th- again, in this is the, based on a true
0: story. <laughs> this child octopus is Kraken sized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, this, oh. and it's
2: good because the Titanic has been Kraken in two, into <laughs> two pieces. <laughs> that is
0: good. It takes a Kraken <laughs> to fix a Kraken.
2: Yeah. and so tentacles holds it together uh, and the captain goes on going down with the ship and tentacles apparently hears this understands it and says no you aren't he frees one of his tentacles grabs the captain and places him in the lifeboat i'll remind listeners that in real life captain smith the captain of the titanic was not saved by a giant octopus and died but, <laughs> but died putting, along with 1500 other people on board ship putting,
0: putting him on an orca guys i'd want to want to reverse uh and i, I should have said fight kraken with kraken anyway mm-hmm. but yeah. uh yeah, yeah sure. we can just yeah. drop that in that's yeah, good. Just no. And it. then
2: put like a little slide whistle splice, yeah. <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, let's yep. do that. That's great. So anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, as it happened in real history, a giant octopus has saved the captain of the Titanic. Uh, <laughs> eventually, our heroes, they're like, here goes nothing. They jump off the bow of the now vertical ship. They fall, it must be a, a 2,000 feet into the water. They are luckily saved by some whales by morning, another ship shows up and rescues every single passenger from the Titanic. The ship that famously sunk, killing most of the people on it. Oh, wait a minute, didn't didn't Camembert die? Yes, that's true. Camembert and also, uh, oh, so, so uh, Tom takes a moment to remember those who died saving them. He remembers Camembert and also Tentacles, who we see appears to have been crushed to death under the Titanic. Grieving fish show up and leave bouquets, but- then we see one of Tentacles, Tentacles, grab a bouquet. So And Camembert shows up. He didn't die at all. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Spoiler okay. alert. Spoiler alert. The ship arrives in New York. A newsie announces that Maltravers and Rachel were the only ones not rescued. And we get a chilling, pun intended, glimpse of them rowing through a field of icebergs, waiting for death, waiting for <laughs> inevitable death. Yeah. Uh, which one? I assume they're going to eat Jeffries at some point. It's, it still. basically
1: is like the start of the terror.
2: Yes. Yeah. And not the start of the terroir, which is an important element in, you know, wine growing, things like that. Wine,
0: other, any, you know, anything can have terroir.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, anything. Jared Harris. Uh, (laughs) Your hat. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Elizabeth and Juan, they get married at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Tom and Stella get married as well. They have a mouse wedding. Uh, and one coach ride later, over a horribly CGI Brooklyn Bridge, a fleet of whales and dolphins arrive to reveal Jesus that Tentacles Christ. is still alive. Elizabeth gives Tentacles a kiss, and the captain says, "Tentacles, you are a true hero." Again, in real life, <laughs> the captain he salutes the giant, giant octopus. In real life, I'll remind you that captain at this point had died, <laughs> had drowned to death, uh, and was not around to salute a giant octopus for saving him. And that's when Camembert returns, no oh, explanation yeah. given. Yeah, I'm
1: sorry. I jumped the gun. I was just now, so excited. Camembert
2: arrives. Who knows what deal with Guys, Satan I was, he made. I was, just,
1: I was just as excited as
2: everyone else. Yeah, I know. You were just so excited to know that Camembert I, comes back. I want to say, too, also,
0: when Ted shows up, he comes out of the water, like, bulging. I, I was like— I literally said out like that loud Jesus Christ because he like dwarfs <laughs> the Brooklyn Bridge. or oh, he's or, enormous! It's just like yeah. the movie. He's a fucking uh, kaiju.
2: Yeah, is it, it's a uh, it's it, isn't it? I think uh, the the movie where with the giant octopus that Ray Harryhausen did the effects for was Oh yeah, 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 one. yeah. Where, like it looks like that. It looks scary, and everybody on the bridge yeah. is cheering when they should be so frightened. This giant octopus <laughs> shows up. Yes. I would say the saddest thing for me
1: is that Tentacles did all this work throwing that those fucking icebergs around just so he could get Mr. Ice's hat. And he was so fucking happy to wear that hat. And then after all that shit happened, he couldn't wear the hat again. And oh, that really true. sucks
2: that it was like his love of that hat was colored by the the tragedy that I followed. forgot that was the prize that was awarded to him was was the was the ISIS hat. You're right. That is the real tragedy of this because again in this movie nobody except the bad guys died, and we have to assume that the captain also cried on the ship at some point into some magic moonbeams and that's how he can talk to tentacles. That's actually uh, but, a
1: really good point.
2: <laughs> but I, that this is a movie where this is a movie about the Titanic, where a mouse dies using his mustache to send a telegraph message for an SOS, and then shows up later totally alive with no explanation. The mouse orchestra plays, everyone dances, end of flashback. We are now back in modern-day Mouse York. Uh, Grandpa Tom warns his grandkids that evil still exists and that whales are still hunted. And he's about to tell them, he's like, you must always remember, but Grandma Stella comes out, cuts him off, tells the kids to go get something to eat. She refers to her husband as Connors, his last name, which is weird. She goes, oh, Connors. And we pull back to the skyline again. Goodbye to our Titanic friends until the sequel. Guys, there's a sequel to this movie that came out five years later called In Search of the Titanic, Uh which involves where Elizabeth, Juan, Tentacles, all our friends return and to meet a race of undersea mer people who I guess are living near the Titanic, God's honest <laughs> truth, this is a real movie. I feel like we have to watch it at some point.
0: <laughs> okay, maybe sometime the, in the when we it, can. it
2: almost auto-played on uh, Tubi. Yeah, on Did Tubi, all, it immediately yeah, brought this up and I was like, "What?" you broke your
0: television before it could happen.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he pulled so guys, Elvis that Presley is the, and That is the true, it. the true legend of the Titanic. All that stuff about Jack rose, the heart of the sea necklace, all made up because in mm-hmm. real life, the Titanic was the story of Elizabeth and Juan and some brave mice and a very easily duped tent- giant octopus named Tentacles.
0: Uh, yeah. Hey, let's uh, move on to giving our final judgments about this movie, whether it was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, a movie we kind of liked. I, w- I want to I say something.
2: Mm-hmm. Say something. Go ahead. you got the floor.
0: We've had a lot of fun here today. Mm-hmm. Talking about the legend of Titanic, but I want to, you know, I want to get real with you guys. Uh, okay,
2: yeah, get super real, uh, much like the I, real story of the legend of Titanic, a movie based on reality. Oh wow, Dan's taking his shirt off. I <laughs> and the pants too. <laughs> oh wow! You know, he's thumping I, his chest I, like I, a gorilla.
0: I overheat when I get emotional. Yeah,
2: Look, yeah, that's why you sweat out of your eyes. Uh, yeah,
0: I have a lot of, I have a lot of. I have a lot of great things in my life, you know. Yeah. I yeah. I, it's just already I, this
2: is already much deeper than I expected you to go in your final judgment I, for Legend of the Titanic.
0: I have a lovely wife. I have a, a nice, you know,
2: two beautiful cats.
0: A surprisingly affordable apartment for where we are in Brooklyn. I, uh, you know, I've accomplished things. I have the, this podcast. Uh, you have like a little community and afloat. You won an the,
2: NAACP image award
0: it's true uh, as <laughs> likely as it sounds that's an actual thing that happened um so I know that I know that I have a blessed life in many ways, but I've been feeling my fair share of ennui recently
3: uh-huh.
0: mm-hmm. yeah um you know our so our the the industry that Elliot and I work in is a uh, very uncertain mm-hmm. place the best of times, and now it feels like perhaps it's all. Falling apart in a in a larger way. Some very powerful
2: uh, people made some very stupid decisions. Now we mm-hmm. have to pay the price.
0: Uh, you know this 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 podcast, which I uh, am very proud of, has a parasitic relationship <laughs> to creativity. And sometimes I wish maybe I'm doing something with my life that's more Harsh, forward, fair, guess. forwardly mm-hmm. <laughs> creative. Um, and, Legend of the uh, Titanic. I'm a 45-year-old man, you know. I'm dealing with yeah, but you look great. midlife stuff. Uh, I look okay. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm heavier than I would like to be. I have a lot of joint pains. Dan,
2: you don't look a day over 55.
0: Thank you. Um, and just lately, I felt like a little adrift. The world seems like a scary and horrifying place. Adrift uh, much
2: like the Titanic. Again, the, the subject I- of the movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Seems like most of the country's groundwater is gone now.
0: In addition yeah. to a lot of other horrible things.
2: I mean, that 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 I saw that newspaper article, and I'm like, yeah, no shit, dude. people have been talking about this for for forty years. The loss of groundwater. Um, don't don't scare me about it now. We've known about it. My point is, someone didn't read Cadillac Desert. Maybe I was in a
0: depressive place when I watched mm-hmm. the Legend of the Titanic, and you know there were an already. Not great movie. Uh, just felt like a chore to me. Uh, that's what I mean by saying like we had a lot of fun. This is a fun movie to talk about. A lot of zany stuff happens in it, but the actual experience of watching it for me was a combination of like dutifully rewinding parts of the movie to try and figure out what the heck was going on because I was like, well, I got to talk about this, and it is it, it is it acceptable how little of this is filtering into the let's say, the groundwater of my brain (laughs) Uh, and anger at it when I didn't understand (laughs) it. Uh, I I just found this an an unpleasant thing to watch overall, and I'm going to say it was bad, bad. It was a long road to get here, but the the, the answer is bad, bad for me.
1: Guys, when I was a little boy—
0: Oh, wow.
2: Oh, okay. Great. That Good one. Yeah, me. let's do this. No,
1: I'm just joking. Uh, when I started watching this movie, I watched like the first third of this movie uh, shortly before I started feeling the effects of food poisoning <laughs> that, uh, that hit me uh, yeah. hours after getting home from a 10-hour flight, um, and the uh, I remember the enjoying that first third, and then- The second batch I watched uh, after spending 36 hours (laughs) in, like, fever dreams and puking and shitting my guts out. Uh, And I started watching it again as soon as my eyes could focus on a screen of any kind. Um. And you know what? I think this is a good, bad movie. I think it's, like, (laughs) super dumb and wacky, and it's just as fun— I feel like it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't pop it on by yourself in the dark moments of the night. Uh, <laughs> but if you're hanging out with some friends and you want to watch a dumb, bad movie, this is a pretty fun one to laugh at. It's pretty silly.
2: Yeah. I'm going uh,
1: to I'm, I'm say good, bad.
2: I agree with Stuart that I think it's a good, bad. I've also been going through some, uh, you know, we've all been going through tough, uncertain times right now. I have so much to be thankful for and blessed. For, uh, feel blessed about. But at the same time, these are uncertain times. And I feel like I had the opposite experience with Dan is that I started watching it and I was like, I'm really going to have to watch this piece of shit. And then about 20 minutes in, I was like, I can't wait to see what else, what other dumb things this movie has in store for me. <laughs> and by the end, when the captain of the Titanic was telling t- Tentacles, "You're the real hero, Tentacles," I was like, "Movie, you cast a spell of crap on me." <laughs> so, so yeah, I would, I would also say this is a this is a good bad movie for watching with your friends. Just not being, just don't tell them what happens. Let them discover Camembert's death and resurrection. Guys, uh, if, if, if I'm never
1: in, a, if I'm unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, God forbid, in a situation where I get to make a wish. It would be to, uh, maybe it's because of magic or maybe, you know, because of some kind of malady. Uh, Some sort of wish
2: master. I would wish
1: to get to watch this movie again in the presence of James Cameron and he would have to watch (laughs) the whole thing with me.
2: That would be very fun.
1: Well,
0: let's move on to, what do we call them? Sponsors. That's what they are. Sponsors, people who've been kind enough to, uh, you know, Sponsor the show.
1: Uh, I got this first one because you know what? I was just away for a little bit. And when I came, and the one thing I missed most of all was my two kitty boys. That's right, the two (laughs) kitties that live in my apartment. And the important thing is if you have kitties, you probably love them. And the important thing about loving them is giving them the right food. And a great way (laughs) to get them the right food is with smalls. That's right. You gotta try Smalls—the protein-packed cat food made from preservative-free ingredients that you can find in your fridge—and it's delivered right to your door. Smalls works with leading cat nutritionists to create recipes that are exactly what your little kitty baby craves. Yum yum. Uh, so what? Uh, after making the, after making the switch to Smalls. <laughs> of cat owners reported their cat has shinier and softer fur and 90% reported overall health improvements. That's a big deal. Uh, You love your cat and you want them to get the right ingredients in their body so that they stay healthy and will love you for longer. Um, Muscles and Meatball both give it a big thumbs up if they had thumbs. So remember, higher quality ingredients mean a healthier and happier life for your Kitty baby. So head to smalls.com slash flop and use promo code flop at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use our code flop for 50% off your first order. One last time for everybody in the back seats that's promo code flop for 50% off your first order plus free shipping.
0: I was laughing at you saying, um, you know, the important thing about loving them is giving them food. But then I realized that honestly, the main way I express love is by cooking <laughs> dinner for Audrey. So, like, I mean, cooking for a partner is part of my love language as
1: well, Dan. So I understand there's nothing, well, thank you. you know, sometimes we laugh about stuff, guys.
0: We do laugh about stuff sometimes. <laughs> sometimes yes.
1: we love about stuff and sometimes we live about stuff. Uh-huh. Dan, do we have another sponsor? We also
0: love about stuff. And I love our next sponsor. It's called Tushy. The bathroom is the only place we get to escape real life.
2: Oh, don't I know it? It's time to upgrade. Yeah, because my bathroom is a magical wonderland <laughs> where physics goes out the window and no, no, I can no. talk to flowers.
0: No, your body is a wonderland, Elliot.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't know it's, my body that well. It's it's it, more of a wasteland. And <laughs> that it ends in a it ends not with a bang but with a whimper. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and warlords fight over the precious juice.
2: Good stuff. Yep. <laughs> it's time to update that
0: meditation closet. With over 100,000 five-star reviews, see why millions of real pooping humans already love Hello Tushy Bidet. Every Hello Tushy Bidet attachment comes with a 30-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty. You know what? I switched to the bidet lifestyle just before the pandemic, not mm-hmm. that's because the, of that's it. That's
2: why you have that tattoo that says bidet life on your <laughs> belly. Yeah. Well, I mean, should be over his booty. It was just a fortunate yeah, but switch. Yeah, but we don't know for certain where his where his booty is yeah, located, he's been super yeah. Clear. we He's been very very <laughs> ca- very cagey about where his butt and where his mouth are. We remember the early
0: days of the pandemic where it was hard to get uh toilet paper, mm-hmm. and I felt very fortunate to have a bidet for that reason, but I also f- just I was like why have not Why didn't I do this like Getting a bidet like made me think about all of the years that for some reason I had been sold the idea that just rubbing some dry paper on my butt (laughs) was a sufficient thing
2: to do. One of the most sensitive parts of your body. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I'm not going
0: to disclose too much. It's one of but the top ten erogenous zones. Guys. There were, well, top 10. We can, I we hope it, makes it into that. the top
3: ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, Easy <laughs> top 10 there, ten. there were medical yeah. reasons why I was like, I can't keep abusing my butt like this. I was yeah. like, this is not, this is not a soft thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love having a bidet. I don't. Yeah, yeah you don't I'll have the, to me. I'll not say Not all, all
2: of us can afford silk toilet paper, so the bidet is no. the way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello Tushy Bidet cleans your bum with a fresh stream of water that is two times better than wiping and prevents poo particles from spreading to your hands and everything you touch. You That's don't what want makes those.
2: Ant-Man shrink, right? <laughs> That's poo particles. It attaches
0: to your existing toilet, requires no electricity or additional plumbing, and comes with a 30-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty. Hey, you, look, I'm no handyman, but presuming your toilet is... Not angled in an inconvenient way, which sometimes happens. Yeah. These things are very easy to, to, to attach. So, it's always Labor Day for your butt, says this copy. <laughs> Save 40% off all bidets and bundles by visiting hellotushy.com forward slash flop and using promo code flop. Sale in September 11th. That's hellotushy.com slash flop for 40% off.
1: When I said that uh the number one thing I missed when I was on vacation was my kitty boys, the number two thing was my tushy, because that's essential.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: The bidet, you mean? Yeah, my tushy yeah, bidet, yeah, yeah, not yeah. My, not, bidet, not my He did not, 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 not did leave his, his part of totally it at with my you. body.
2: Yeah, I took yeah. that with me. I tried so, to leave it at home. <laughs> this is a real this is a real check your butt at the door type movie. Now, just you know, leave it you leave your butt at home. At customs,
0: they thought he was smuggling a couple of melons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that was just thanks. his butt. <laughs>
2: I have been I have been working on my squats and mm-hmm. various other things too. Mm-hmm. You know. Anyway, uh in addition to <laughs> in addition to butts, we also have some other things going on. If you are listening to this episode on the day of its release, September ninth, then tonight you can join us by watching Flop TV. That's right, episode two of Flop TV, our one hour streamlined flop show, right? It's September ninth, right?
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: All right, the, uh, that this episode comes out. We're going to be talking about Cool World. This is, a, this is going to be a favorite where I think it's a long time coming. Uh, it's a movie that we've talked about a lot in passing, but we've never given it mm-hmm. the full flop treatment. That's tonight at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I always put Pacific first because I live here, but I should say 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific because hey. New York is the center of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, just go to theflophouse.simpleticks.com Again, that's theflophouse.simpleticks.com to see us live giving presen- giving a presentation of, on a subject of our choice. I, th- I believe it's Stuart who's doing the presentation this time. Oh
1: man, and do I have something special cooked up? Might want to tape over your webcam.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and w- <why>? D- Dan, <laughs> so, they, so they can't see him, yeah, you know. And Dan oh, will be I doing the, the summary. I'll just be kicking back, talking cool world with him. If you can't watch us live, which is too bad, if you can watch us live, then you'll be able to submit questions for us to answer. But if you can't watch us live, your ticket gets you access to the video later, and all of these episodes, the videos will remain up on the site available to you through the run of the show. That's a new decision that we have made. Instead of a window where you have to watch the videos in, instead, you will have six months to watch this show. It's one episode per month for six months, and you can always go back and catch the reruns if you miss one. So that's the theflophouse.simpleticks.com. Tonight, we're talking cool world. That's this month's episode. Hey, next month, in addition oh, yeah. to another episode of Flop TV, oh. we've also got Live shows, that's right, if you're in the Los Angeles area, on Thursday, October 19th, we're gonna be doing two shows in one night, two different shows in one night at Vidiot's. That's right, Vidiot's, the legendary video store, now has a theater space. It's in Eastern Los Angeles in the Eagle Rock neighborhood. And we're gonna be doing two shows that night. The first show, Speed 2, Cruise Control. The second show, Three Men and a Baby. As Dan dubbed it, it's a night of numbers between one and four. That's (laughs) October 19th. We haven't done a live show in L.A. in a while, and it's going to be fun. Uh, Vidiots is a kind of intimate little space. It's a little smaller than our usual uh, places that we play, so you'll be that much closer to us. You'll be able to see the pores on our face, and yeah. maybe we'll run up and down the aisles kissing everybody. Probably not, Don't scare but, it's, but, off. but it's possible. It's possible. We won't do it, but it's possible. So that's uh, for that, go to <laughs> So, for, to, to learn more about yeah, that, so anything's so, possible. Anything's possible. Go to vidiotsfoundation.org, and that's vidiotsfoundation.org for tickets for our two Thursday, October 19th shows. And also tonight, join us on Flop TV, theflophouse.simpleticks.com, as we talk Cool World. Not the movie The Cool World, but the movie Cool World. Let's get that straight. This is the one about people having sex with cartoons.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Somewhere. In an alternate universe where Hollywood is smarter.
2: And the Emmy nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are... Jet Pacula, Airport Marriott, Frepple, Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, and Allah in the Family.
0: In our stupid universe... Can't see any of these shows, but you can listen to them on Dead Pilot Society, the podcast that brings you hilarious comedy pilots that the networks and streamers bought but never made. Journey to the alternate television universe of Dead Pilot Society on MaximumFun.org.
1: I'm Jesse Thorne. Bullseye is celebrating 50 years of hip hop
3: by bringing you an entire month. Of brand new interviews with rappers. That means Jeezy. I put my pain in the music.
0: Angie Stone. You know, hops. We called them hops back then.
1: Master P. Music is what's going to open the doors for us, but whatever we come up with after
3: this, it's going to be bigger. Plus, Chica, Saba, even the greatest of them all, Rakim. That's this September. Open up that podcast app, type in Bullseye, and hit subscribe. You're not going to want to miss any of this.
0: Hey, here's a weird thing I'm going to try. So I, I, I put together a book proposal a little while back. Uh, I was working with a very nice uh, agent. Uh, it was like kind of flop adjacent, you know, uh, funny stuff about trash culture. Uh, send it out to the world no one seemed that interested. I might publish it, I might self-publish it, finish it and self-publish it because I already did a lot of work on these uh essays, but I don't know. It seems like in this world, like certainly someone who had like a couple of Emmy's for comedy writing and a semi-successful podcast, there's got to be some interest out there, right? So if you work in the publishing industry, Maybe I just got it out to the wrong people. If this sounds interesting to you, I don't know, maybe get in touch. It's a weird use of the podcast, I know, but... Very weird. But look, (laughs) I need to diversify my career. As we said, the world's falling apart. If you think this is something you might like to see, a book you might want to read, and you work in a position that you you want to take a look at it, ask me to take a look at it. That's all I'm saying. Um, Dan,
2: Dan, I'm going to take this weird borderline unethical thing that you're doing and I'm going to piggyback on it because I've mentioned – I think I might have mentioned in the past. I've, re- I've written an unpublished novel that I don't think anyone wants to publish. It's a fantasy horror novel set in Hollywood in the 30s. You want to publish something like that, get in touch with Dan. Tell him that you don't want his book I don't or that you want my see book. why
0: it's borderline unethical. All we're doing is cutting out uh, you know, the middle people who honestly – also have a parasitical relationship to creativity. Wow,
2: wow! Now we're going into now we're going into territory I cannot abide. So Dan, <laughs> what do we do next on this podcast?
0: Uh, on this podcast, uh, we also take a few letters from listeners. Like who? Uh, like you, me, the listener. Well, your hosts. Oh, okay. You're not included in that. Oh,
2: but I listen sometimes to you guys, but often I, mean, I don't. Allie, I just talk and talk want- and talk. Yeah, it would if be weird if one of the hosts just
1: wrote a bunch of letters to the podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can write a letter laying, to me anytime.
1: Uh, one of the hosts.
0: All specify.
2: Dear Dan, it was a little weird when you started asking people to, to, to look at your book. Love it. I don't it. think I, you know. Wh- Keep up the great I,
0: work. I think it's an acceptable one-time use of the podcast. Sure,
2: <laughs> sure. One-time use. Ask time, yes. whether
0: anyone is mm-hmm. interested. Um, this letter is from Jeff, last name withheld. Do right. Who writes, I was recently diagnosed as having type 2 diabetes, so I decided to lose some weight. Toward that end, I bought a cheap secondhand treadmill and have been watching movies on my tablet as I walk for hours in my basement. Today, I watched the 2020 Donnie Yen action comedy movie Enter the Fat Dragon. I figured I'd watch some fantastic action sequences and endure some fat-shaming jokes as I wild away the cardio hours. To my surprise, the action and comedy were there, and while Donnie Yen spends two-thirds of the movie in a fat suit, his weight, in and of itself, isn't the butt of the joke. Sure, it's odd to see Yen running around Tokyo carrying the extra pounds, but his fighting and movement remain a highlight. It's actually pretty body positive for the most part. Do you remember a time when you assumed a movie would go for the easy joke, but then went in a different, better direction? By the way, Enter the Fat Dragon is available for free on Tubi and Hoopla. I was very pleasantly surprised. Love the show, Jeff. Last name withheld.
1: Well, before I uh, before I think deeper onto this question, I will say on a similar note, I was as soon as I saw promo shots of Scott Adkins for the new John Wick movie where he also plays a character in a fat suit, I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be terrible." Uh, but they actually don't spend too much time. Uh, they they don't really play on the uh, on the idea that he is he is large. Uh, and how it's about really do they play to, on
2: the idea that he's in charge? Of course they do. Uh and there's I thought he Charles did, was in charge. There's uh I think it's only of our days I, and our nights. Wait, that's that all covers the time. it all.
1: But uh yeah, and then he in that in that fat suit he does get in a good fight with John Wick in a scene that's basically like a Street Fighter level and it's fun.
0: Mm. Um This is a very good question that I should have thought more about, considering that I'm the person with the most exposure to the letters ahead of time. Mm-hmm.
2: I'll tell uh, you that I, I can't – it's hard for me to think of a movie off the top of my head that – I'm sure there are. But I will say that lately my kids have been uh, super obsessed with the Dogman series of books by Dave Pilkey. And uh-huh. I – and there's a fair amount of potty humor in it and a fair amount of dumb humor in it. But I – that's one where I was surprised at how often there will be a certain amount of toilet humor and then it will swerve away from that at some point. And those books start out just kind of being dumb fun for kids and they – more and more of each book as it goes on ha- involves the characters talking about the redemptive power of love. And so I'm like, oh, this is not what I expected. So I, I, that's a book version of the same thing where those volumes more and more are less about jokes about poop or people being covered in pee and more and more about the characters having to make choices. So I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. But those are books, not movies. I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Books are like movies that you don't watch but you read. Yeah. I, I, and you can't hear is, them unless okay. it's a book on tape, which is like a movie in your mind. Continue. Mm-hmm. The thing in your that, mind is the
1: biggest
0: erogenous zone. The yeah. thing
2: that leaps to uh, and the smallest my m- screen. Mind
0: is that I your really erogenous enjoy- zone. <laughs> <laughs> now, that God since we don't it. know
2: where your butt or your mouth are Hell located it. on your body.
0: Oh boy, my butt's where my butt goes. Um, and where is that, Dan? Where is that? <laughs> At the top it's of where my the legs. Butt goes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Between my
0: legs and my <laughs> torso. I mentioned um,
2: Dan. Yeah, Dan is putting together a uh, skeleton. Goes the butt bone goes where the butt goes, <laughs> and he's like, I don't even know what butt what bone this is. Okay, so, Dan, what leaps to mind? Um, I just
0: liked it in Booksmart, where the whole setup of the movie is that these two, you know, people who think they've like made this like choice to be like we're the responsible ones, we're gonna go to like the good schools or whatever. Like everyone else at their school who a normal movie would dismiss as like the stereotype is like oh these partying people you know can't also be you know uh, successful like the movie's like no no like either through like them actually being smart or I, I you know one implies maybe like or infers from the fact that they're at this like fancy school like they just have connections like they're all also going to good schools and these people have sort of artificially limited their own um social life through the choices they have made like they're not ostracized nerds necessarily they are people who have chosen to like not socialize and and missed out because of it and i think that that's a fun subversion of like the normal yeah high school yeah just just
1: because the popular kids are popular don't mean doesn't mean that they aren't like studious and hard work.
0: Yes, exactly.
2: Yeah, I like I, I like a movie that takes the brave stance of being pro-popular kid and anti, <laughs> <laughs>
1: anti-nerd.
0: Allie, you're still stuck he's, in your- yeah, He's gonna uh, get
1: that chip off his shoulder someday. Boom,
0: Yeah, boom, uh,
2: boom,
1: boom, yeah boom. okay, so let's move on.
0: This is from Patrick, last name withheld. Who writes? Patrick
2: O'Brien of the Aubrey Matern novels.
1: Oh my God, tell him I love
0: it. <laughs> uh,
2: Do you like actually, books with a lot of sales in them? Old fast, motherfucker. <laughs> Patrick uh, specifies
0: that this is Patrick from the original cast podcast. Oh, oh, okay. So not, um, not Patrick O'Brien of the, the late author. Stuart, the did you ever do that novel. show or was it just Elliot and I? I think it was just you guys. Oh, that um, that's a big
1: show. That's what, about musicals? or It is about musicals. I can see why I might not be invited.
0: <laughs> you love musicals though. You go to the I do together. love
1: musicals, but, you know, sometimes just people stereotype me as like a cool popular hunk and not <laughs> right, somebody who right, right, likes right. musicals.
0: And not a nerd like Elliot and me who likes yeah, exactly. musicals. Yeah, exactly. Um. Your Black Adam discussion about how to do exposition dumps and audience confusion reminded me of one of the most confounding movie theater experiences of my life. Oh, I want to hear about it. My dad and I went to see Skyfall on opening weekend. If you'll recall, the film opens with a shot of a hallway, and then a figure appears at the end of said hallway, out of focus, and accompanied by a horn sting on the score.
2: They should have called it Sky Hall.
0: (laughs) Burned. The moment this happened, the person next to me turned to the person they were with and said... Who's that? <laughs> the, the movie was 10 seconds in. We all had the same amount of information. These people have been in their seats since before the trailers began. Did this person want a Chiron to appear with the words James Bond and an arrow pointed, pointing to Daniel Craig? Which brings me to my question. What is a moment in a film that others found confusing that you thought made perfect sense?
2: Patrick so name withheld. Thank you, Pat. I want to mention, before you answer that question, I want to mention that is the opposite of the situation I think I've talked about before at some point where I was watching the movie My Architect at the film forum in the middle of the day and it was just old people in the audience and the architect, I.M. Pei, is talking on screen and then his name comes up on screen, I.M. Pei, and then it fades away. And about 10 seconds after his name faded away, a woman turned to her husband and said, that's I.M. Pei. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was the, the opposite experience. It was like, yeah, we all have that information. We know it. Thank you, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh,
0: stuff that we thought was, I i mean, I feel like there's a lot of, like, times in the past. I know that there are times in the past where I've been, like, too snide in my own head. Like, oh, that, people thought this was confusing. I thought this was, like, obvious, but I'm I mean, having I, trouble.
2: I feel like it happens to me with with certain types of science fiction or fantasy movies, like, time travel movies a lot of times people are like oh boy i couldn't i couldn't wrap my noodle around that one where at like something like like um you, you've you got your christopher nolan time travel movies like interstellar and tenet where it's like all right yeah i see what he's doing here like you kind of if you've seen time travel stories you kind of know ahead of time what he's doing some of the time yeah. but to your regular audience that hasn't read a lot of time travel stuff i guess they're like hold on a second but it also remind that story reminds me of a. Uh, going to see The Matrix with my dad and having to spend about as long as the length of the movie explaining to him how it worked. Like, why? <laughs> he's like, so Neo is special and that's how he can be in both The Matrix and the real world? And I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone's in The Matrix in the real world. Like, The Matrix just happening in the computer, and, you know, in people's heads, basically. And he's like, huh, oh, okay, okay. So in their heads, they're all in those tubes? No, that's the real world. Hold on <laughs> a second. So it was, sometimes people just can't grasp it. Oh, and then there's great. movies like, um, there's a movie like The Fountain, which I remember made a lot of sense to me when I saw it. I think has been baffling to other audiences because it's more it's operating on an emotional level more than it is on a story level. I you think know? that that's, that stuff, like And also because a lot of the story was supposed to be told in other medium that media that didn't come out. Right? Yeah. But that's
0: often the thing that sort of confuses me just because it's like a different way of looking at stories. Like there are stories that you know, there's stuff that happens in it that mostly makes sense on a metaphorical level or yeah, yeah. maybe doesn't need to be, like, understood, uh, like, like, literally. And I think that, like, in life, it's not like I'm not a practical person, but that never bothers me. I'm like, why do you need a literal explanation for all that happens in art? Like, why does it have to be, like, you know, why like, can't it just be both? But yeah. this is like i don't know if this super unreal. answers
1: the question but like yeah i think more often than uh dealing with people like not getting it in the in like the literal sense it's more often just like a general lack of media literacy where people are, uh just as, uh, just take the complete wrong message from a movie whether it's like watching fight club and being like yeah we should be starting fight clubs right and you're like <laughs> oh what are you talking about dude yeah i, um, I
2: think that is i think it's it's that's I think you're exactly right, Stuart. It's like that kind of media literacy where people don't always like know we how to read. Should all become same.
1: wolves of Wall Street? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: And also the kind of media literacy that is like what I'm saying with the time travel thing, where often movies are playing off of pre-existing either tropes or whatever or stories. And if you're not familiar with that stuff, then sometimes it can it can be hard for you to ingest it. But I think you're right that people often they want to take movies as literally as possible. But Dan, what you're saying, and Stuart, what you're mm-hmm. saying, and it becomes a a barrier for them in movies that are meant to be either read into or understood or thought about or are trying to get at a more powerful message because it's not just stating it outright, you know, but is making you ponder on it. But yeah, at the same time- Treating it like
1: it's just content that you're supposed to ingest and it's almost, it's like almost the same as like news. Like you're
2: ingesting these facts, you're yes. ingesting
1: these like plot points.
2: Well, it's like how people will be like, I don't have to read that book. I read like a summary of the, of the plot of the book. And it's like, well, the, the experience of reading a book is not just to get that you know what happened in the story. Right. Like the experience is to experience it, to feel it, you know, to, to live it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that this probably sounds insufferably snobby on many oh, levels. Oh, let's hear it. No, 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 I'm just, I, I do, like,
2: I you don't. You already told us that you have an unpublished book of essays about pop culture. So yeah, just tell us what, what, you, can, what you can say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I wonder why the publishing world didn't – that didn't set the world ablaze. Another comedian with humorous (laughs) essays. Uh, Anyway, uh, but still, get in touch with me if you – but (laughs) I – no, I uh, – we've been derailed so long that I can't remember what I was thinking of. You
2: you were afraid of sounding snobby. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm afraid of sounding snobby, but like – or old and crotchety, but like Mm – I'm not usually one to wring my hands about the state of culture. Uh, I think that a lot of times, like that, you know, people like look at things with rose-colored glasses, uh, nostalgia.
2: Bono certainly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's all he wears. Stewart, when he came in today, he was that's true. He had rose-colored sunglasses
2: too. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. just like Bono. Me and Bono, (laughs) two cool dudes. I have my glasses are rose-colored, but it means they're colored like Betty White. Mm -hmm. But I do feel
0: like the way that the media diet has become so homogenized where it is like certain types of movies get made, they tend to, you know, hold your hand about what's going on, um, that the depth and breadth of like the types of stories that can be told do get like squeezed not only like In the marketplace, but in people's minds, like I think that people get used to a certain kind of storytelling, which leads them to believe that that's the only kind of storytelling and reject things that are outside of that storytelling as bad rather than as something that's trying something different. And I find that kind of distressing. Like, I mean, maybe I'm just, you know, poisoned by, you know, being online too much and seeing too much of the idiots of the world. But, you know, probably
2: true. That's that is (sighs) uh, that's factually true. But you're right that there's a there's a um, I'm going to lay it on the feet of the corporations that have consolidated and control much of American media, that there is a there's a lack of variety in the in the material that they create and put out for people. And as a result, I think you're right that there becomes this feeling among a certain type of audience member that there are rules that art has to follow in order to be good. And yes. it's like those videos that made me so mad, where they're like, every movie is the same movie. We looked at Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and The Fugitive, and we can prove to you every movie is the same movie. And it's like, <laughs> so that's those are your three points on the compass of film. Is just those <laughs> like, there's no movies that are not Star Wars or Indiana Jones, The Fugitive, or Die Hard or something like that. <laughs> like, there's because yeah. it's finally three movies starring the same man <laughs> 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 have startling similarities. They're all the same movie. It always makes me mad. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Let's let's apply those theories to. You're right. Last year at Marion Bad is the same movie as this, and you know Hiroshima Mon the same movie. They're all the same story. You're right. <laughs> but you're right, He's Dan. Avant garde shorts. <laughs> and it's a uh, it is Stan Brakhage. Just to, let's apply some story circles to him. But I think the but uh, I think you're right, Dan, and you're right, Stu. I think we're, we've made, raised a lot of interesting points. They're not necessarily funny or entertaining. That are mm-hmm. interesting and fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. so we <laughs>
0: we got one of the four yeah, we sort did, of uh, podcast quadrants. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, let's recommend some things that we liked. Uh, maybe it would be a better use of your time. Again, Impossible. we've been steering away from <laughs> doing as many current recommendations because of the strike. Um, I'm going to recommend something that is far from Hollywood, uh, because it was a 16 or probably Super 8 short. Yeah, Super 8 short uh, shot by a bunch of teens in 1989. It's called Dr. Death. It was directed by Webster Colcord who I was impressed by the Super 8 short and was gratified to see that he like went on to be a special effects artist uh, for a bunch of uh, major motion pictures. Um, so he had a career in the industry, or has one, presumably still going. Uh, But in 1989, he made this Super 8 short with a bunch of his teenage friends, uh, and it's essentially kind of their take on a Mad Max uh, post-apocalyptic world where uh, Dr. Death, the titular Dr. Death, is riding around in a school bus, and there's there's like legit car chases in the Super 8 movie that these kids made. It is a very kinetic movie. Uh, There's, like, a moment of claymation and there's a thanks to the Will Benton Studios and I guess this kid, like, worked there at some point. Uh, Anyway, it's just one of these things where there is... uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're like me. I kind of grade entertainment on a curve sometimes and if it's done by, like, kids with access to, like, so few actual resources... The degree to which this hits the mark and is entertaining and so much more fun than, uh, you know, stuff done by quote-unquote professionals uh, makes me love it all the more knowing that, like, uh, it's just these kids fucking around, but they're doing, like, a really good job doing it. And I think you can find this short on Vimeo, maybe not under the same name. I forget there's, like, another name you can sometimes find it under, but Webster Colcord is the director, so you should be able to dig this up online.
1: Uh, I'm going to recommend an older movie. Uh, I'm still going through my journey of watching old Brian De Palma movies. And I just watched on my flight back, I watched Blowout. uh, What, from 1981, I think? Mm -hmm. Uh, Starring Mr. Jonathan Travolta. That's right, Bolt himself. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it's about a sound engineer who gets in over his head when he's looking for some, uh, sounds for his sound library.
0: I mean, what's a new sound?
1: Remember that new sound he's been looking for? <laughs> <And> that sound? <laughs> is of a car crashing. Yeah. Now, uh, and he gets involved in a kind of a murder mystery conspiracy. Uh, and it is that kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, it's got a little bit of that, like De Palma, like Giallo-esque stuff from that era. And it also has a little bit of the, like, 70s thriller thing where uh, you have uh, people, like, it gets really into the guts of, like, practical occupations, whether it's something like Thief or uh, To Live and Die in LA, where you're, like, watching a professional in a very specific career do his thing, (laughs) uh, which I found really cool. Plus, it's a very good Philadelphia movie, which is great. Uh, Dennis Franz is in it, so you know it's a De Palma movie, <laughs> and uh, it also has like one of the four. You know, some of the other ones I'd watched are like are are fun and like kind of sleazy and uh, and also a little bit scary. Uh, and also stylish. This one has dials down some of that a little bit, but it it actually has a super emotional ending. I found the yeah. ending really like really sad and touching, uh, and also kind of ties everything together. Uh, so if you're looking for uh, if you're
2: looking for something like that, I'd check out uh, Trackdown Blowout.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of his best.
2: I'm gonna recommend two movies. That's right, two movies. It's while since I've recommended two, but I recently saw two movies that. I don't know, kind of like an interesting double feature. They're, they're both uh, kind of supernatural romances in a way, but one uh, is very funny and the other one I found very moving and poignant. Uh, the funny one I'll start with, this is, you know it's me, so it's got to be Czech. It's a Czech New Wave movie from 1970 that it's, it appears to be under a du- bunch of different titles. I saw it under the title The Murder of Mr. Devil, but it's also called Killing the Devil, and this is the only movie directed by Esther Krombachova, who uh, was one of the writers on the movie Daisies and on the movie uh, Report on the Party and the Guests. So she was a major Czech New Wave person, but she only directed this one movie. And it is all about – there's only – there's really only two main characters in it. This woman who is desperate to land a husband and just has decided that this guy who is selfish and disgusting and only interested in eating things uh, and what food she can make him, that she's got to land him as a husband. and. He is also the devil or a devil, and every now and then will just show off supernatural powers to win arguments or things like that. But it's a very, I thought it was a really funny movie. It's very brightly colored. Uh, it's got this weird kind of like 60s kind of uh, kind of colorful pop feel to it. Uh, but there would be scenes where like she catches him chewing on the, on the legs of her table. She gets very mad because he's always constantly eating. And I thought it was really funny. It was a funny uh, take on women and men, Similarly, here's a supernatural romance that is not a comedy, but instead a movie about yearning. This is the movie Rouge from 1988. It's a Hong Kong movie starring Anita Mui and uh, directed by Stanley Kwan, where uh, this woman is a very high-class prostitute in the 1930s uh, who has been in a uh, suicide pact with her lover, a rich young man who his family won't allow them to get married. And now it's the 80s, and she has come back as a ghost to find out why he never joined her in hell and she meets up with this reporter and the reporter's girlfriend who's also a reporter and has them help her. And it sounds like it could be a setup for a horror movie or it could be set up for a comedy, but instead it's a setup for like a real, like a movie about romance and about love and about um, kind of uh, sensual yearning and things like that. And I found it really beautiful. So those are two movies that are both uh, about love and uh, fantasy aspects. One of them is kind of silly and the other one, Uh, might make you cry a little bit. And so the one that might make you cry a little bit is Rouge, and the one that's a little silly is Killing Mr. Devil or The Murder of Mr. Devil or I don't know how to accurately translate the title, but they're both good. Check them out, won't you? Check them out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Okay, well,
0: this has been an episode of The Flophouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A podcast that is on the Maximum Fun Network. Go over to MaximumFun.org. Check out the other podcasts they have there. Uh, I listen to several of those shows myself. They're uh, full of good, funny shows, good, informative shows. Take a look. I'm sure you'll like at least one of them. Uh, We're also produced by Alex Smith who edits, uh, makes us sound good. He has a lot of great stuff online under the name Howell Dottie. Uh, He has his own podcast called Fast Track you could check out. Um, I want to say if you have the time, maybe consider leaving us a five-star review over at iTunes or elsewhere. Uh, but iTunes is the easiest place to <laughs> leave us a good review it really does help us uh, if you like the show and you want to you know just give us a little little help uh, if you don't like the show maybe consider not finding the time to write a review mm-hmm. and think about you know is it really worth uh, hurting three strangers you know is is your feeling about the show worth the time that you put been? I not why not, that why not use review? that
2: time to promote something you do
0: like yeah, 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 um, and uh, just thank you for listening for the flop house. I've been Dan McCoy.
1: I've been Stuart Wellington, and I hope to see some
2: of you tonight on Flop TV. I'm Elliot Kalin, saying the same thing. Flop TV, it's tonight. We hope to see you, and maybe on October 19th in Los Angeles. Until then, I'm Elliot Kalin. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 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 just, keeps getting longer.
0: On this episode we discuss The Legend of the Titanic. Directed by Hayao Miyazaki? <laughs> <laughs> Slander. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move it along. One of those will be good. One of those is yeah, good. Yeah, now yeah, sure, she yeah. figure it out. You got a good taste. <laughs> well, Alex, you should know that Stuart <laughs> laughed and made a face when I said that. So, you know which side your bread is buttered on between the two of us. Oh, man, i am buttering his you bread any time he wants. And this guy. Maximum Fun.
2: A
3: worker-owned network.
0: Of artist owned shows. Supported. Directly.
3: By you.